Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we study the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 756, looking at Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39. Let's read the passage. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be members of his household. One who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. One who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this Gospel. Gospel's an account of the ministry of Jesus to show who Jesus is for the purpose of inspiring somebody to have faith in Jesus. Matthew's writing primarily to a Jewish audience trying to show them Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's presenting the teaching, preaching, and healing ministry of Jesus. And we're in a section on teaching. He has these five discourses. A discourse is an extended teaching session. The first one was the discourse on discipleship, the Sermon on the Mount. That's where he was painting a picture of what discipleship looks like, what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's in a section now, the discourse on mission. That goes from chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 11, verse 1. And he's laying out the mission. He's preparing his disciples, the twelve, to go out on a mission. He's sending them out to the various towns of Galilee to take the message. He's given them authority to cast out demons and to heal sicknesses. And he's charged them with the preaching ministry of proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. So we're seeing the shift of just Jesus being the one doing the ministry and his disciples following him to now the disciples are taking on aspects of the ministry itself. And so he's in this section where he's preparing them for this mission. And some of this instruction is the immediate while they're on this specific mission. But a lot of it's really instruction for the long term, for after he's gone and succeeding generations. Now, Matthew's writing this well after the fact. So Matthew is highlighting a lot of the things that are not just specific for their mission, but specific for the readers of his gospel. So verse 34, he says, Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, this would be a shock to people because the thought is that the Messiah is going to bring peace. That's why the Messiah comes, to make everything okay for everyone. And right now, things are not okay. They're under the thumb of the Roman Empire. And something the Messiah should do when he comes is get rid of the Roman army, get rid of the Roman government, and bring Israel back to what it was under the reign of King David, King Solomon. And so the idea, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword, that, that would be a shock to people. Isaiah 9, 6, section talking about the coming Messiah, it describes him as the Prince of Peace. Zechariah 9, 10 says he'll proclaim peace to the nations. So we see this idea of peace. Now we do see peace in the description of Jesus in his ministry. 
but primarily it's peace with God. Coming to Christ in faith brings one to peace with God because we're separated from God because of sin. We are enemies of God because of sin. Reconciliation with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. There we are justified, declared righteous by God, adopted by God as his children, and we're then at peace with God. So it's not about things being all wonderful here on earth. It's about peace with God. So this idea of bring a sword, well, that's basically using their metaphor for conflict and suffering. And we see that in other places in Luke 2.35 when Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple for the dedication and they meet Simeon, who's been at the temple awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. He tells Mary that a sword will pierce her soul. Well, he doesn't mean a literal sword. He's talking about sorrow. So sometimes we see sword used that way. Now, a very similar statement by Jesus is in Luke chapter 12. Verses 51 to 53, Jesus says, Do you think I came here to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five and one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So we see a very similar statement to this, only Luke records the word division rather than sword. So this it's a metaphor of conflict, suffering. And, and what's he referring to here This in verse 36? We just read a similar statement in Luke, but Matthew says, For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his household. Here he's talking about breakdown in family. He's basically quoting Micah 7, 6. Now, the situation in Micah's prophecy was he was showing the breakdown in society, specifically within the family even, because of the sinfulness of society, how far they had drifted from God. King Ahaz was the the king at this time, and, and Israel had gotten very far away from God. And what Micah laid out in the previous chapter in Micah 6, 8, what, what's God really want? says, mankind, he has told you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfully, to walk humbly with your God. So that's what God has told them to do, but are they doing it? No. And, and so as a result of that, society's crumbling. Families are crumbling. And Jesus uses that example of breakdown of family to say, and that's what's going to happen as a result of Jesus coming. Not that Jesus is breaking up families, but families will break up over Jesus. Because some will decide to follow Jesus, some will not. Some will vehemently oppose Jesus. And so there's division in society, division even within the family over following Christ. And he goes on talking about this example of the family. Verse 37, the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Luke uses the word hate, but the idea there, it's a comparison. You must place your affection for Christ above that of their family. Christ must come first, above your spouse, above your parents, above your children. 
Christ must come first. They says, if he doesn't, then you're not worthy of me. I use the term worthy when he was talking about finding the person worthy when you enter the town. And what was worthy? Somebody who's open to the gospel. Here he's referring to someone who has a heart toward him and is willing to follow him. Because if you're placing other people above your faith in Christ, well, that's not true faith. Then verse 38, he says, And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. And we're so used to hearing about cross that it doesn't mean as much to us as it meant to them. They were all familiar with the cross. It was a form of execution used by the Roman government. And it was meant to be exceptionally cruel, exceptionally shameful. Because you're beaten before you're taken to the cross, then you're marched through the town carrying the crossbeam of the cross yourself as everybody mocks you. Because obviously anybody who's being executed is a, a criminal or some kind of low life, and so they're mocked. And then they're hung on the cross in a very public place and left there for days to slowly die in front of everyone. So it's an incredibly shameful thing to do. It's an incredibly painful thing to go through. And so everybody's familiar with the cross, and Jesus uses that. He doesn't say, die for me. He says, take up your cross. And so that's pretty strong language. Now, did they really get it at the time? Probably not. Now, after the fact, Matthew's recording this, and everybody knows about the cross. So if people are reading Matthew's gospel, they really get it. Take up your cross, just like what happened to Jesus. So what Jesus is basically saying here is, you've got to be willing to die for me. And not only must you love me more than you love your family members, you must love me more than you love life itself and be willing to die for your faith. Numbers 39, anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. What's he mean here? He's talking about a contrast between physical life, the life here and now on earth and spiritual life, or eternal life, true life, life with God. The Bible teaches that we're dead in our sin, but we find life when we come to Christ, and God gives us new life. So whoever finds his life, you could easily translate that preserves his life, but finds his life, talking about your physical life, the life here and now. And if that's what your focus is, you lose life. That is, you lose the spiritual life. Not that you had it, but you lose being able to get it. Your priority must be that spiritual life following Christ. And anyone who loses his life, this would be the physical life because of me, will find it, the spiritual life. What he's basically saying here is if your focus is more on your here and now, you're going to miss eternal life. But if your focus is on the eternal life, if your focus is on following Christ, even the point of losing your physical life, then you are a follower of Christ and you do have that eternal life. Now, what do we take away from this? Well, following Christ is not all warm and fuzzy. It's, it's not the good times. It's not a comfortable thing to do. He says, you're going to be persecuted by the world. You may be persecuted by your own family. 
You may face martyrdom. You may be killed for your faith. And a clinging to this life is going to result in missing eternal life. But willing to lose this life, then you do, that does lead to eternal life. So he's laying out the cost of discipleship, that this is not a comfortable retirement-type situation. This is going to involve suffering. This is going to involve persecution. That God has not called you to come and be a follower of Christ so that he can give you all the comforts that you could possibly want. No, that's in the life to come. In this life, you could face a lot of trouble following Christ. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.